Hello, hello. My name is Keaton Clark, co-host for tonight's episode of Where Are A Now, a podcast dedicated to learning more about the tremendously talented RA alums of New York University. As a current NYU student, I study politics in Mandarin, and when I'm not doing that, I'm an RA in Palladium Hall. I currently call Sarasota, Florida home, but was born in Southern California and raised in Rhode Island, and I'm excited to be here tonight. And I'm Tom Ellett, your other co-host and serve as a Senior Associate Vice President of Student Affairs. Keaton, welcome aboard. I'm excited to be here. Great time to be a first-year RA, first-time podcasting ever, so I think it's going to be a fun time. So have you listened to podcasts before? I actually have not too much. I actually just listened to my first podcast a couple weeks ago. It's definitely been something I'm trying to get into more, getting recommendations from people, but I like it, trying to ease out of listening to as much music. Good deal. Well, tell me a little bit about why you wanted to be an RA. Yeah, I remember my first year RA really helped me get involved on campus a lot. It's how I met a lot of my great friends, a lot of my friends who were RAs now with me. Um, And I think that living on campus is a really unique experience, especially at a school like NYU, where there's a misconception that we don't have a campus. And so being able to be somebody to help facilitate a connection or make someone's experience better or a little more easier, um, I would be so grateful to be that person. Mandarin. What made you choose Mandarin as a language to study? Yeah, that's a great question that honestly the answer has changed every now and then, but I think it comes down to the fact that I had never traveled abroad before coming to NYU. And my freshman year, I took a trip to Vietnam um, with alternative breaks and I really enjoyed Asia. I thought it'd be really cool to explore more. So when it came to choosing where I wanted to study abroad, Shanghai was the closest destination. And so Mandarin just became the natural fit. And I'm in my third semester now. And I think I'm going to go for the minor. Well, maybe you can introduce our guest in Mandarin. Uh, <laughs> OK, we won't go that far. That's, that's quite all right. Palladium, good experience so far? Oh, I love it so much. We have a gym, washroom in the dining hall. I couldn't have asked for a better residence hall to get placed in. And 14th Street. And 14th Street, Union Square, right near every subway line that you could imagine. I love it so much. And we have a new BLT member this year, Lady Santo. She's been killing it. Um, it's a great team. I'm so excited to be a part of it. Outstanding. And tonight? We have two guests tonight. Two? Two. Tonight's guests are Christina and James DeBartolo, who served as RAs in 26th Street and Brittany Hall, respectively, under David Jones, Aaron Viola, and Audrey Conjubula during the 2009 and 2010 academic years. Welcome, Christina and James, and thank you for joining us on today's show. It's a real pleasure having you on. Thanks for having us. How are you both doing tonight? Doing all right, thank you. Well, it's great to hear both your voices. Two RAs, I mean, first we're gonna wanna know the the main question. How did you meet? Well, this is a tough question um, that actually I would say James does have the better, more romantic response to. Uh, He's just sort of better at that. Uh, Jim, do you wanna wanna tell the fine folks who are listening where, where we originally met? Sure. So we first met when I was in third grade and Christina was in fourth grade. I had a crush on her at that time, but we went to different elementary schools, and so nothing really happened. Uh, But then when we got to high school, we were in the same high school together. Um, Christina was a year older than me. She was a senior, and I was a junior. And we reconnected when we were on the mock trial team together as opposing counsel. So we, we reconnected then, and our first date actually was my junior prom. I wasn't really sure where where I wanted to go to college. NYU wasn't really on the radar. Christina, uh, she had already decided to go to NYU. Um, And so after our first date on my junior prom, we dated over the summer. uh, And I 
fell in love with Christina and decided that I wanted to follow her wherever she was going. Uh, so I applied early decision to CERN uh, that fall and followed her to NYU. That's such a sweet love story. Um, my mom always taught me growing up that everything happens for a reason. So I guess fate had its way with the both of you. Um, tell me, tell us, tell the audience, what have you both been up to since graduating from NYU? So I, uh, I graduated in 2010 um, and I took a job at Goldman Sachs working on a fixed income investing team. I was there from 2010 to 2013, uh, finished the CFA program while I was there. And then I left the firm to go to business school, got an MBA from Yale School of Management. I uh, graduated in 2015 and went back to Goldman Sachs briefly to work in natural resources investment banking. I uh, did that for about a year and then left to work at a structured credit hedge fund. And I did that for about two years. And then this past spring, I left the hedge fund to go back to investment banking, where I now work in, a, in the financial institutions group doing mergers and acquisitions work. That's great. That's really interesting. So I definitely understood what all of that meant. But maybe for our audience, if you could break it down, investment banking into one sentence, um, what would you call it? Uh, providing uh, strategic advice to clients. Love it. Christina, I don't believe you went the business route. And, and I know that for a fact, because I get to see you a little bit now here in your current role. Tell us a little bit about your trajectory. Yeah, definitely went in a bit of a different direction. After I graduated in 2009, my plan was to work full-time for NYU so that I could get a free ride, tuition remission on grad school. I was already committed to going to get my master's in social work. I knew I wanted to do that. And so I picked up a job working as a research assistant at NYU School of Medicine's Department of Child and Adolescent Psychiatry. They're also known as the Child Study Center. And if you're an NYU undergrad, you might know them as the CAMS people or the people that do the Science of Happiness class, which I understand is very popular on campus. Um, so I worked as a research assistant there for Howard Abacoff, who is a noted ADHD researcher. And while I did that, I went and got my master's in social work. After I graduated with my degree, I got my license um, and moved uh, around in terms of the research work that I was doing to become a coordinator. At the same time, as I became a clinical assistant professor and started building out my clinical practice, helping kids and families um, who, you know, are dealing with various mental health challenges. I do specialize in ADHD and other disruptive behavior disorders. Um, and uh, at this point, I'm also doing a little bit of teaching um, of undergrads at NYU, also our child and adolescent psychiatry fellows. And with research, I do continue to coordinate research projects in addition to advising faculty members within our department on their specific research interests. And so I have had the great pleasure of reconnecting with Tom um, since last year when we launched WIN, the Wellness Initiative at NYU, which is really seeking to help first-year students have a nice transition from high school to college. And so we've got Founders Hall um, really outfitted there with a bunch of great services. And some students are even participating in our research study and taking a class where they're learning all the science behind the best wellness recommendations. That's great. It sounds like your current careers are going phenomenally. I want to jump into your time back here at Washington Square for a little bit. Um, what did you both study at NYU? I was a uh, finance and history double major. Um, mine was a little bit of a couple things. So I was a psychology major um, and uh, a minor in social work and also a minor in child and adolescent mental health studies. Like I mentioned that Sam thing earlier, um, so it's a, it's a minor, not a major. 
And, and Christina, you talked a little bit uh, uh, to us beforehand about being a peer educator and then transitioning into the RA position. Tell us a little bit about your extracurricular journey uh, outside the classroom here as an undergraduate. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, I actually love talking about this because it was one of the main reasons why I chose to attend NYU was uh, coming in as an undecided major to CAS, I really knew I needed to be in an environment where I could try a lot of different things and that I was going to have to have experiences outside the classroom to help guide me in the correct direction. Um, so uh, I, I started off um, my freshman year trying a whole lot of different things, um, including writing movie reviews for the WSN, where I got to meet Shia LaBeouf, who was in some, like, Disney movie Ooh. about golf that I think never really went anywhere. But um, that was interesting, taking a class in linguistics, community service, a, a number of different things. And so I fortunately was able to identify what I wanted to do for a career actually that very first semester. And once I realized I wanted to um, help kids and families in a therapeutic sense rather than an academic sense, um, I did start to sort of tailor my extracurriculars around that so I could be a desirable candidate for grad school, but also just um, do what I love to do and work on my, my you know, clinical skills, skills with kids, um, skills just working with clients in general. So I continued to do community service, first with an organization called A Place for Kids in Chinatown. And then after that at the Go Project, which has two sites, but I was at Grace Church, which is right near Brittany Hall. I was also an admissions ambassador, so one of those people walking around campus and, you know, pointing out this and that. I know all the fun facts, and uh, that was where I first got to practice saying a psychology major with minors in social work and child and adolescent mental health studies, which frankly is quite a mouthful. Um, and I was also working as an office assistant at the NYU School of Social Work at the dean, in the dean's office at one point, in registration at another point, just to you know, a way to make a buck. And then I chose to be a peer educator for the health promotion office. That's amazing. James, you talked a little bit about your history in financial services, a position that's very quantitative based. Um, and the RA role is a lot more qualitative. So what made you want to apply to be an RA while you were at NYU? So, so like I said, I was a history and finance double major. And, and you're right, finance is very quantitative as a field. You know, I think it was probably a... Uh, a mistake that I made for sharing finance because I think between the two, I much, much prefer qualitative analysis. Um, and so I've, I've tried to gravitate to areas of finance where uh, there's a significant qualitative element. But applying for the RA position, I think I, I am probably like one of the least likely people to have ever been an RA. <laughs> That's such an understatement, too. Uh, okay, we need to understand a little bit about this, James. Like I, I'm surprised that the first time I like shook hands with an RA, the two of us did not explode in like a matter antimatter type of uh, type of explosion. Uh, but I, but I did make it through, and it ended up being a really, really meaningful experience. You know, in ways I didn't anticipate. So for example, uh, in general, I tend to be more quiet and reserved. Uh, and being an RA, I think forced me to speak in front of people and to to be in situations that I probably otherwise wouldn't have been in forced me to be more social by interacting with residents uh, on my floor as well as with other staff. And it also led people to approach me about topics and to have conversations with me because I was their RA that I think I otherwise probably would not have been on a short list of candidates that they, they would have taken those issues to, to discuss. 
so it ended up being a really meaningful experience and enriched my, my time at NYU, and I, I feel grateful for, for having done it. So over the past two years since I've been a student here, I've seen the campus and its climate change so much. Um, I'd love to hear some of the issues that were facing NYU students or that you thought were important back when you were um, an RA with your residents. So I guess the, the time that I was in the RA, it, you, it, was, it was basically the period uh, immediately after and uh, during the, the financial crisis. And so I think for a lot of students uh, on campus, particularly the ones that I had a lot of exposure to in CERN, uh, it was a time that was characterized by a tremendous amount of anxiety uh, about economic prospects and finding a job and what the teacher helped. I, re- I remember that as being uh, one of the more significant issues uh, during the period I was in RA. Yeah, I, I echo that in terms of it was an interesting blend where you had, you know, the RAs were juniors and seniors who were actively, and I graduated in 09, so a little bit, you know, worse in a way, you know, actively like getting ready to graduate into whatever this new world was. And yet being at Brittany Hall, which is a first year residence hall, you know, you've got students who are really, you know, they're really excited. They're really, they're ready to be here. They want to take classes and get involved. And it was just a very different developmental time. So it was kind of interesting to be an RA right at that moment. Yeah. Following up on that, do you think that there are any skills that you gained through the RA role that helped you navigate those economic conditions or navigate that um, situation a little better than your peers? Yeah, I, I think one of the most meaningful things about being an RA for me is the ability to speak to a much wider variety of people and, and a, a much more diverse pool of people than I probably uh, would have interacted with otherwise in terms of, um, I don't, and I don't mean um, diversity just in terms of demographics, but in psychographics or interests. So, for example, I think prior to being an RA, many of the people that I interacted with uh, at NYU or other CERN students who had the same general interest and the same general approach. Uh, it really was not until I became an RA, for example, that I had a conversation with anyone from Tisch. <laughs> um, there, I, there were a number of people on staff who I became friends with and a number of residents that I, I formed relationships with who I think are, are people that um, I would have not have naturally gravitated to. And so I think the experience of being an RA where it forces you to, to think on your feet when you're dealing with uh, various situations that arise in the residence hall, um, but also as you're trying to navigate situations with fellow staff members, I think it's increased my adaptability and um, my flexibility in terms of uh, understanding and working with uh, different approaches that, that people have. Christine, I'd be interested a little bit in the whole area of self-care. Uh, especially with what you do now, did you see that self-care was an important issue as an RA? And if it has, how has it been built into your life right now in what you do? Yeah, I think this is such an important point for anyone who wants to go into what we term like the uh, helping profession, which is really how you approach utilizing yourself to some degree to help out someone else. Um, because I certainly saw that there were RAs when, when I was an RA who really felt like it was their job to give, give, give. And this was really typified by like a completely open door policy where they encourage residents to get in touch with them in any way, shape, or form. There was not really Twitter at the time, but you know, like text me or, or walk, come in the door or email me like anytime. Um, and it was, it's just too much and it's, training, essentially. Um, I was always aware that 
having a, a good kind of boundary was going to be not only important for me, but for the resident too, because at some point um, you have to understand that, you know, you're, you're their RA, you're not their therapist, you know, or whatever it is that they're asking you to be, their, their best friend or their mother or whatever that role is that they're looking to fill. And you're actually doing them a disservice by sort of pretending um, that you can fill that role because they then don't start to build out the, the the network that they need to actually address the concerns that they have. And so while I, I, I don't know, I, I would like to think that I was pretty approachable and given some of the situations that my residents approached me about, I think they felt pretty comfortable coming to me. But there was always this understanding that, you know, they're, they might get an immediate answer from me or they might get some support and validation and information about what to do next with a follow-up from me, um, you know, after they did that. And I think that continues to be true with my clients today. I look at it as I'm there, I'm meant to be a rock, a support, a base, but they're the ones out there doing the work um, and deciding what they want to do with their lives or how they want it to be different. And if I'm over there trying to live their life for them, it's never going to work. It's bad for me. I'll get completely drained, but it's also bad for the client. You know, the client has to be the one to make those decisions of what they want to do. You can't, you can't live someone's life for them. That's not good either. Great advice. Yeah. I mean, over the, just the past few years, I've seen the way that NYU tackles self-care has evolved so much. And I think we're heading in a really great direction. Um, so for your work in that, I definitely appreciate it. And thank you. Um, it sounds like that you've both used the RE position to really propel yourselves into really successful careers. And I'm sure this is a very tough question for everybody, um, but I'd love to hear what are you most proud of in your career to date? The thing that I'm proud of um, most professionally is the opportunity to have had jobs that have allowed me uh, to support my family uh, and to, to put us collectively on, the, on, on an escalator to success. Uh, that's, that's, that's my proudest accomplishment by far. I think this is um this is sort of a tough one for me because there's big things that I'm definitely proud of and it feels a little braggy. Like I wrote a book that was actually published by a real publishing company, which is kind of cool. Um, but then really, I, I find that it's sort of the smaller moments throughout the day that I remember the most. And they often tend to be linked to my clients. For example, I have a kiddo who I've been seeing for a few years now um, who is on the autism spectrum and, you know, sometimes can struggle in terms of impulsivity and knowing how what he says comes across to other people. And it's a really proud moment for me when in my office he, he pauses and furrows his brow and says, I'm, I'm trying to think of how to say this using civil words um, before he says something that is upsetting to him or displeasing um, because that's real, that's real growth that I was able to be there for. Thank you both for sharing that. This is a chance for you to give some shout outs to some of those RA alums or that you worked with over the course of your time at NYU. Yeah, um, I think so. The person that I bonded the most with in, in a very intense way at the time was my co-RA, co-sweet you know, mate when I wasn't an RA yet, uh, Madeline Gomez, who is a lovely individual from Houston, Texas, a total badass who works for women's reproductive rights. Um, she got her law degree after graduating. She was a sociology major at the time. She is a year older than me, and I find that um, being someone who has a sister who's a year older than me, having that kind of relationship where you're just um, in each other's business but not in, a, not, not in a bad way, where you respect the other person and you want to hear the advice that they have to give, 
she was huge to me while I was at NYU, and I think that was a time and a relationship that can't ever really be recreated outside of that special context. So um, I do just want to put a huge shout-out to Matt Gomez. Um, and then also, you know, in terms of alums who I've stayed near a year to, in fact, you know, even invited to our son's baptism, that would be for sure Jeremiah O'Neill, who was at Brittany Hall and then at Founders the first year that it opened, and Shyla Geary, uh, another Sterney, um, who graduated the same year that I did. All right, so I think we're going to jump into a speed round, so try to keep your answers as quick, the first thing that pops into your head. Um, are you ready? Ready. All right. Did you go abroad, and if you did, where? Yes, uh, London. Christina? Uh, London. I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Favorite NYU teacher, Christina? Oh, I have to say, all my now colleagues, I am so honored. Melissa Nishawala, Jess Jackin, Lori Evans, and of course, Alan Schlechter. Awesome. Uh, Professor Andrew Sartori in the history department is far and away one of the most impressive individuals I've ever had the pleasure of coming across. He is a fantastic teacher, uh, and pound for pound, I think, as one of the uh, most impressive intellects of a person I've met, uh, whether in academia or outside of it. Amazing. Any celebrity sightings as an NYU student? Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, when his son crashed his scooter into me while I was walking uh, in Washington Park South. Finally, what was your most memorable RA experience? Oh, uh, I don't know if you want to end on this one, Tom. It's a little cliche, but uh, how much easier it was to document a marijuana violation than an alcohol violation, uh, it just still makes me chuckle. You know, you just walk in, you go, all right, come on, let's just put it in the center of the room and just, you know, they did. <laughs> well, Christina and James, thanks so much for spending some time with Tom and I to discuss your journey and where your life after NYU has taken you. As always, thanks to our listeners who can stay connected with RA alums who are living the Dream School alumni version life. James, Christina, thank you so much. And really impressive careers that you both have had, truly. Or having, I should say. <laughs> thank you. It was great being on tonight. <laughs> have a good night, guys. And I look forward to seeing you soon, Christina. Special thanks to my engineer, Duncan Lemieux, and to the current professional staff and the alums of NYU, such as... Audrey and Jen Alexander, David Jones and Aaron Viola. We appreciate you in helping develop skills and talents of these wonderful alums. If you like the show, look for more content on the website. And if you want to know more about the RA's favorite books, go to whattheyreading.blogspot.com. And finally, feel free to tweet at me, T-E-L-I-T, for a shout out. Until next time, please think about the ethics that you heard from James tonight. Think about the caring community that Christina is creating each and every day and go out there and emulate them both. Thanks for listening. 